Well, hello and welcome to Worship from Creef. Uh, you'll see again that we're not quite at the stage of being able to do the service live from the St Andrews Hall, but maybe next time I hope we'll be able to do that. If you're at home today, I invite you to sing along with the songs and to join in the words of our prayers, which will appear for you on the screen. And if you're in the St Andrews Hall with me, you can join in the responsive parts of our prayers. And although you're not able to sing in the hall, do feel free to, to stand and, and, and move around a wee bit uh, during the songs. We have a number of different things to bring to your attention this week as we head towards the seasons of Advent and Christmas. Firstly, I want to tell you about the Advent journey. Christmas is coming and uh, although it's going to be a bit different this year, we can still experience something of the joy of the season. Uh, I want to invite you to take part in our Advent journey and have figures of the Nativity visit you in your home uh, this year. The figures will be accompanied by readings and prayers for each day. There'll be an Advent candle that you can burn down a little bit for each day that you have it and there'll be a special gift for each household. So Mary and Joseph will be travelling from house to house, we hope, during Advent, arriving at the parish church on Christmas Eve. If you'd like to take part in that, to register, there's a link on our Facebook page. We'll be sending information out to members of our congregation as well, or you can call Elizabeth at the manse. So that's the Advent journey that's going to be going around homes in our community. Secondly, we're going to be having a special Christmas box service on the evening of Sunday the 13th of December and we'll be joining with a number of other churches around the, the Perthshire area. This will be an online service, it'll be on our usual YouTube feed I hope and if you register for that service what will happen is that we will deliver a box to you at your home with some nice things in it that you'll be able to use during that service and also enjoy afterwards. There can be a box for you, a box to give away to a friend or to a neighbour so that they can also get online and take part in that service. If you'd like to be part of that, please will you get your name to me uh, by phone or by email uh, aphilip at churchofscotland.org.uk phone the manse uh, so that we have an idea of how many boxes that we need to distribute. If you'd like to take part in that service, 13th December, please do that as soon as possible. Phone me or get an email sent off to me with the number of boxes that you need to share with others. And then thirdly, uh, we're planning a community uh, carol festival. We can't have a carol service in the church this year as we've done in previous years, but we want to be able to share carols in some way uh, as a congregation and with our community. So what we've planned is that various groups in the congregation and in the community, including our guild and our flower group, will be illustrating Christmas carols in a display. And we'll have these in the St Michael's building. It will be open the two weekends before Christmas, as well as the evenings of the 22nd and the 24th of December. And the idea is that people will come and book a slot and come and see and hear and experience how these different carols are interpreted by these different groups in our church and the community.
Now, we've got some folks already signed up to, to create these displays. We need either two more groups or two individuals to create a display illustrating a carol. And if you'd like to do that, then please uh, speak to Elizabeth. Contact Elizabeth, the same number at the man's, uh, and you can uh, get involved in that. Again, we'll be sending information out to everyone in our congregation about that. So please, if you're able to help with that, uh, get your names in as soon as possible and then stick it in your diary and, and make a booking to come and see it the evenings of the 22nd or the 24th of December or the two weekends before Christmas. And then finally and fourthly uh, this morning, we are collecting gifts. We always gather gifts at this time of year that we pass on to other folks. And we want to continue to be able to do that. So we're collecting gifts, costing around £5 if you're able to do that. And we'll pass on these gifts to folks in and around our community. Now, the gifts should be new. They should be wrapped and they should be labelled, whether they're for a boy or a girl, what age group they're for, or for a man or for a woman. So that's new gifts wrapped, labelled boy-girl with the age, or for a man or for a woman. And these gifts can be dropped off at the Creef Connections Hub, 19 High Street. It's open uh, every morning except a Friday, and on a Friday it's open in the afternoon, so you can drop your gift off then, as we would normally do at this time in our congregation, and these gifts will be shared with folks in and around the community. So these four notices, uh, again, I remind you, we'll send that information out to everyone in our congregation. Uh, details are also on our Facebook page. As time is pressing, could you please respond as quickly as you can, especially for the, the Advent journey, the things that will be going around homes in our community, for the Christmas box service on the 13th of December, and also for the Carol Festival where you can come and see carols illustrated in the church. We need, as I say, a couple of folks, a couple of groups to finish off uh, doing these displays. I think that's all the notices uh, we need to share today. On Friday this past week, Elizabeth and I had to be over in Dundee and in Dundee, just as the light was fading, just as it was beginning to get a bit grey all around us, overhead in the sky, there was a very noisy flock of geese beginning their migration south to the warmer climates. And we've seen similar flocks of geese flying over Creef these past couple of weeks. They're very distinctive V-shaped pattern as they fly through the sky, the noise that accompanies them on their journey. And these birds are one of the signs of the changing season. And although we lose the birds over these winter months, there's always the hope, always the expectation that they will return in the spring. And a similar mark of hope has been in the news over these past couple of weeks of various apparently fairly effective COVID vaccines that have been developed in different parts of the world. And that hope has come amid this time of great personal loss for so many families around the world. And it's come during an ongoing, ongoing great social and economic disruptive period this year. And many of us, I know, are finding that we personally are struggling to cope with sometimes even the simplest things the longer that this pandemic goes on. And for those of us who are Christian, sometimes that sense of struggle is made all the worse because we feel that we are somehow failing in our faith 
because we're not coping as well as we would want to be coping. As the old phone advert used to say, it's good to talk. And it can be very good to talk to another person. We hope to do that, uh, and we hope we've been doing that well over these past months, talking with our friends by phone, by Zoom, perhaps talking with your elder as they have contacted you also uh, over these past months. It's good to talk to another person, but it's also good to talk with God and to listen for God speaking to us as we read his written word, the Bible. And I hope that you have found encouragement doing that uh, week by week as we've made this journey from creation to Christ and uh, day by day as you have your, your, your quiet time, your own devotional time. Perhaps one of the, the weaknesses of the church nationally, internationally over these past months is that while we have missed coming together for worship Sunday by Sunday, we have not consequently improved our own personal and household devotional time. And that's been a great opportunity for us. And it will continue with us in, in the weeks and months ahead as we have this mixed economy of being able to come together, but also of having worship at home. So I hope that uh, if you've not already been doing so, that you'll, you'll take time every day, every week to, to pray and to, to read God's word and to listen for what God might be saying to you personally as well as to us as his church here in this place. You know, when the people of Israel found themselves in exile and their temple was destroyed, yes, there were some who, who drifted away from the faith, just as some folks will surely have drifted away from church over the course of this year. But there were other people who made that shift from corporate worship and they replaced it with a, a, a personal household worship. And through that, they were able to hold on to the hope of a better tomorrow. And in the Bible, we find many references of future hope amidst times of despair and times of judgment. And since the start of September, here in Creef, Sunday by Sunday, we've been taking time to more fully explore the season of Advent and that theme of Advent hope by making this journey week by week through the Bible from creation to Christ. And so last Sunday, uh, we began looking at the prophets, those people who were called to bring God's word to the people and to the situations of their time, but also through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, people who brought a word that speaks to you and to me today and which points on into the future to the return of Christ and to the promised new heaven and new earth. And so last Sunday we began with the prophet Isaiah and today we turn to Jeremiah. And next week, when we're together only online, uh, we'll be looking at Ezekiel and Daniel, these four of the, the many prophets in the Hebrew Bible. But these four who are particularly regarded as the major prophets because we have quite a lot written down about their lives and their prophetic ministries. Now, the overarching uh, feature of the ministry of the prophets was, of course, to bring the people back to God, to bring the people back into fellowship, to bring the people back into authentic worship of the living God, and also to hold out hope 
despite all else that was going on, to hold out hope to the people and to the wider community. I mentioned just a moment or two ago of the, the geese beginning their migration south. And today, as we look at the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah, we find the prophet using the metaphor of the behaviour of these migratory birds, using that as a metaphor to challenge the people and to bring them back to the Lord their God. Jeremiah says, Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. You see, Jeremiah had obviously looked around him and noticed that many birds fly south over the Middle East in order to winter in the warmer climate of Africa. But without fail, these birds in the spring return to their nesting grounds. God's people, however, had gone away, but they had not returned. And so Jeremiah the prophet longed that the people had as powerful an instinct to return to God as storks and other birds have to return to their breeding grounds in the spring. Today in our worship, we seek to come before God, that we might hear God's voice and respond to God's call, not just to come together for a time of worship in the St Andrew's Hall or watching a screen or listening uh, to the service on a phone at home, but so that our worship might transform the rest of our living and that our lives might be transformative in our community, in this mission field in which we are set. If you're at home, you can sing along as we now go into a song and those in the hall, well, you can stand and you can listen to our opening song, which is Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Thank you. 
what is immediately clear in the story of Isaiah last Sunday and today in the story of Jeremiah is that both these men were called and sent by God and they had a very similar response to that call. They had a concern about the inadequacy of their lips and their mouth. Isaiah was conscious that his lips were unclean, that he lived among an unclean people and Jeremiah, who was possibly just a teenager, was reluctant on account of his youth and his inexperience, not knowing what to say. And so we're given the wonderful image of Isaiah's lips being cleansed by a, a, a burning coal that did not harm him, but purified his words. And Jeremiah's mouth being touched by the divine hand, symbolising the fact that Yahweh, God himself, had put his words into Jeremiah's mouth. The opening sentences of the book of Jeremiah throw light on the Christian view of inspiration, for they state that these are the words of Jeremiah and that the word of the Lord came to him. So scripture is neither the word of God only, nor the words of men only, but the word of God through the words of men. When I worked as an engineer in London, I was a member of All Souls Church, and I often heard John Stott, the rector emeritus there, speaking of scripture in this way. He called it the double authorship of scripture, the words of God and the words of men. He wrote this in his book, The Contemporary Christian. This is what he said. Thus, on the one hand, God spoke, determining what he wanted to say, yet without smothering the personality of the human authors. On the other hand, human beings spoke, using their faculties freely, yet without distorting the truth which God was speaking to them. It's from the contemporary Christian by John Stott. And therefore, because of this double authorship, we should approach Scripture in two ways. Firstly, we must come to Scripture, we must come before Scripture in acknowledgement that it is the Word of God. So when we read our Bibles, we should read our Bibles like they are no other book. But then secondly, when we read our Bibles, we should read it just like every other book. We should use our minds, thinking and pondering and reflecting and paying close attention to its literary, to its historical, to its cultural, to its linguistic characteristics. It's this double reading of Scripture as we look at the life of Jeremiah and at the words of God spoken through the words of Jeremiah, it's this double reading that helps us to understand the full importance of the words of judgment and the promise of hope that we find in the book. So let's hear together these opening words of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The Book of Jeremiah Jeremiah Chapter 1 The Words of Jeremiah 
son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting towards us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me in burning incense to other gods, and in worshipping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. As we read the, the, the books of Kings, Chronicles, Isaiah, Jeremiah, it's very obvious that the world of Jeremiah's time was a world that was full of wars, as new empires came and conquered old empires. And already the kingdom of David and Solomon was a kingdom that had split into Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And although the message of Jeremiah, the message in the book of Jeremiah is for the whole of Israel, both these kingdoms, it's addressed initially primarily to this tiny kingdom of Judah in the south, this kingdom which was caught in the middle of all this warring, all these new empires conquering the old empires. And so it was that during Jeremiah's lifetime, Babylonia 
came from the north and conquered Judah and ended its freedom as a nation. Jeremiah, we're told, was an Israelite priest who lived and worked in Jerusalem in the final decades of this southern kingdom of Judah. He was called as a prophet to warn Israel of the severe consequences of breaking their covenant with God through their idolatry and their injustice. And he even predicted that the empire of Babylon would come as God's servant to bring his judgment on Israel by destroying Jerusalem and taking the people into exile. And sadly, Jeremiah's words became reality, for Jeremiah lived through this siege and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, and he witnessed the exile personally. Now, the book of Jeremiah came into existence in a really interesting way. Chapter 36 tells us that some 20 years after Jeremiah began preaching and acting out many of his messages so that the people in and around Jerusalem would know exactly what God was saying to them, God called Jeremiah to commit these things to writing. And Jeremiah did this by employing a scribe named Baruch who wrote down and combined all of this material into a scroll. Now Baruch also gathered lots of stories about Jeremiah and he linked all of these different pieces together to present Jeremiah as a messenger of God's justice but also a messenger of God's grace. Many of the messages that are recorded include the date that they were originally spoken, but instead of being arranged in chronological order, they're arranged in, in, in disparate groups. And these groups bring together similar subjects. And so the book begins with Jeremiah's call as a prophet, and we see that Jeremiah is given a dual vocation. He's to be a prophet to Israel, North and Southern Kingdoms, but also to the other nations. Jeremiah's words will both uproot and tear down, but he will also plant and he'll build up. In other words, Jeremiah is going to accuse the people of Israel in both kingdoms and warn them of God's coming judgment. But he also has a message of hope, a message for the future. Now, as you and I read the book of the prophet Jeremiah, we need to be asking, what is it that this book might be saying to you and to me today? What might it be saying to the church at this time, our church here in Creef, but also the church locally, nationally, internationally? What is it saying to the church? Are there similarities, parallels we can draw from the time of Jeremiah and apply them to our own situation today? What is God saying to us. As you read God's word, these are the kind of questions you need to be asking of the text as you read it. Now, the opening perfectly summarises the, the first large section of the book of Je Jeremiah, chapters 1 through 24, because in these first 24 chapters we have a, a collection of Jeremiah's writings from before the exile. His sermons, his essays, his poetry, it's all brought together as well as the things he did and said. And here we're told that Israel has broken God's covenant. They've broken the covenant relationship. 
They have violated all the terms of the agreement that they made that are written in the, 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 the books of the law, in the Torah. And they've done that in a number of ways. They had adopted the, the, the worship practice of the, the people around them. They'd adopted worship of the Canaanite gods. They had built idol shrines in different parts of the country. And Jeremiah develops the metaphor of idolatry as adultery. And he uses the language of prostitution, of promiscuity, of unfaithfulness to describe how Israel has given their allegiance over to other gods. And Jeremiah also repeatedly accuses Israel's leaders, the priests, the kings, the prophets. He says they've all become corrupt. They have abandoned the law of God, the Torah. They've abandoned the covenant, which has led to tragic results. It's led to rampant social injustice. And the most vulnerable people in the nation of Israel, north and south, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, they were all being taken advantage of in clear violation of the laws of God. And Israel's leaders, well, they didn't seem to care. One of the classic places where all of these different things comes together is found in chapter 7. It's known as Jeremiah's Temple Sermon. And here in chapter 7 of the book of Jeremiah, we're told that the Israelites were coming to the temple as if everything was just fine. Perhaps in the way that some folks come to church and give the appearance that everything is just fine. But outside the temple, they were worshipping other gods and some were adopting horrible practices, the horrific Canaanite practice of child sacrifice being one of the horrible practices they were adopting. And so Jeremiah makes his very unpopular pronouncement. He says, the God of Israel is coming in judgment upon you and God is going to destroy his own temple by sending an army from the north. This is an army that God would allow to conquer Jerusalem. And as you read on, you discover that Jeremiah is talking about the great empire of Babylon. And then in chapter 5, we, we, we come to a, a, a chapter that serves as a, a transition in this collection of writing that Baruch the scribe puts together. Israel, we discover, hasn't turned back to God. And so in the first year of Babylon's new king, a king, Nebuchadnezzar, we've heard of him, God tells Jeremiah to announce that the Babylonian armies are heading to Israel, north and south and southern kingdoms, and to its neighbours. And these armies of Babylon are coming to conquer them and to take them into exile for 70 years. And he compares Babylon to a cup of wine, a cup that is filled to the brim with God's just anger at all of Israel's injustice and idolatry. And God will make Israel and the nations drink from this cup. Now, hold on to this image of the cup because we'll come to that later. This transitional chapter, chapter 25, is a key chapter to the book's design because everything that follows 
is going to focus on Babylon's coming attack. First on Israel in chapters 26 through 45, and then on the other nations in chapters 46 through 51. But before we move on to these chapters, let's have another song. And our song this time is based on Jeremiah chapter 18, where Jeremiah is told to go to the pottery shop and to see a representation in that pottery shop of the kind of power that God has to help a faithful people or to uproot and to destroy a disobedient people. So if you're at home, you can sing. If you're in the hall, listen to Change My Heart, O God. Change my heart, O God Make it ever true Change my heart, O God May I be like you Change my heart, O So after the transition chapter 25, we, we come to the final chapters of the book of Jeremiah. And these chapters speak to us about judgment and hope for Israel and judgment and hope for all the nations. On our journey from creation to Christ, it's here that we catch 
the glimpses of messianic hope that are offered to Israel and which we find in Jesus Christ. And how that's meant to change us from the people we are to the people that God wants us to become. And so, chapter 26 through to the end, it begins firstly with a section on Israel. And this section contains stories about how Jeremiah begged Israel to turn back, how he warned them right up to the last minute, but the leaders of Israel kept rejecting him. And the section concludes with a collection of stories about how Jerusalem was under siege and eventually destroyed by Babylon and how Jeremiah himself was persecuted all through that time and was eventually kidnapped and taken against his will to Egypt by a group of Israelite rebels. Now, in the middle, between all these dark stories of judgment, is a collection of Jeremiah's messages of hope for Israel's future. And so Jeremiah picks up on Moses' prediction that after Israel had broken the covenant and gone into exile, which we, we read in Deuteronomy 30, God would not abandon his people. Rather, God would renew his covenant with them and God would transform their hearts. And Jeremiah, in, in his writing, develops this and says that God is one day going to inscribe the words of his law, not on tablets of stone, but on the hearts of his own people. God is going to come and heal the wounds of their rebellion so that one day they can truly love God and follow God fully. And so one day Israel will return back to the land and the Messiah, who is promised from the line of David, is going to come. And that's when all the nations will come to recognise Israel's God as the one true God. And so these chapters show that despite Israel's apostasy, God is not going to allow Israel's sin to have the final word, just as he does not allow your sin and my sin to have the final word. Rather, God's own faithfulness will bring about the fulfilment of his promises. After that, in, in chapters 46 through to the end, chapter 51, we find a, a large collection of, of writings, mainly poems, about how God is going to use Babylon to judge the nations around Israel and nations like Egypt and Philistia and Edom and Moab and Ammon and Damascus and Hazor are, are mentioned. But then, surprisingly, the, the, the largest poems are saved for the, the, the last couple of chapters, chapters 50 and 51. And they are about God's coming judgment, not on, on, on Israel and Judah and the nations around them, but God's coming judgment on Babylon itself. And so although God uses this nation of Babylon to e execute his justice, God does not in any way endorse their violence and idolatry. And so Babylon too comes under the standard of God's justice. And so Jeremiah denounces the nation of Babylon's pride and Babylon's injustice as well. 
And now Babylon is, is somewhat larger than life in all of these poems. And it reminds us of the image of Babylon way back in Genesis 11, which we looked at some weeks ago, when we read about the, the Tower of Babel and the pride of the people which preceded their scattering and the confusing of their languages. And so in the book of Jeremiah, Babylon has become the, the archetypal rebellious nation in their glorification of wealth and war, God is going to give over this nation to their own destruction. And the stories that we find in many of these prophetic and historical books are very intertwined. And so in, in, the, in the book of Jeremiah, the book concludes with a, with a story that we also find at the end of 2 Kings, 2 Kings 24 and 25. And it tells of Babylon's final attack on Jerusalem, how they destroyed the city, how they destroyed the walls, how they destroyed the temple, how they took the people off into exile. And that story shows how Jeremiah's warnings about judgment in the first 24 chapters were absolutely fulfilled. But then the chapter ends with a very strange story about the captured king Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is heir to the line of David. And we read that the king of Babylon releases him from prison and shows him favour and invites Jehoiakim to eat at the royal table for the rest of his life. Why is that story there? It's a strange story. It's in Kings as well. It's how the book ends. Well, I think it's there because it gives us a little glimmer of hope. And this little glimmer of hope fulfills Jeremiah's promises of hope uh, from chapters 30 through 33. God has not abandoned his people. God has not abandoned the promise of the future coming king from David's line. So while this book contains a huge amount of, of warning and judgment, the final words conclude with a note of hope for the future. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And even here, we find the uh, reaffirmation of the covenant of grace established in the promise God made Abraham some 4,000 years ago to bless him, to bless his posterity, and through them to bless the world. Now, do you remember the cup? The cup that was full of all sorts of bad things, all, full of all sorts of judgment. Remember that Jesus, in the upper room, on the night before he was betrayed and handed over to be put to death, took a cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. It's this new cup, this new covenant that Jesus ratified, which brings us priceless blessings today. It brings an internal law that is in our minds and written on our hearts. It brings a universal knowledge of God where the community of Jesus Christ have equal access to God through Jesus Christ. It brings the forgiveness of God 
that is eternal, that is one for you and for me through Jesus' one sacrifice for sins forever. And on the grounds of that finished work, God remembers our sins no more. And that is the supreme hope that we find in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus Christ, the promised messianic king from the line of David. Before we pray, let's come before God in worship as we sing again the song Refiner's Fire.
Well, friends, today we've had a very brief overview of the story of Jeremiah. Just as last week we had a brief overview of Isaiah, you might like to, to read some more of these prophets or to uh, prepare for next Sunday's message. Uh, have a look at the books of Ezekiel and Daniel as well. Next week, remember, our service will be online only. There'll be no service in the hall next Sunday. Uh, but we will have a service, and in that service we'll be thinking about what God has to teach us from the stories of Ezekiel and Daniel, who were prophets during the time of exile, after the people had been taken off uh, by the Babylonian army. One of the images which Ezekiel uses to help us to understand the way in which the living God cares for us uh, was the image of the shepherd. It was an image he shared with the people in exile. It's an image that says, I myself will search for my sheep and will look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flocks when he is with them. So I look after my sheep. And these words must have come as a tremendous word of comfort to a people in exile. And they're words that speak to us and they resonate in the depths of our soul as well. They do so because they speak to our longing to know that in all we face, God watches over us and God searches for us when we are lost. There are words which speak to us, especially in difficult times, like these difficult days that we're continuing to go through. They resonate profoundly in days of darkness. The times in which we are living are difficult indeed, and they are dark for many. And at such a time as this, we still ourselves, and we listen for the voice of the one who calls us by our name. The shepherd calls us by our name, even in the darkest of times, and he comes to journey with us. The shepherd journeys until in God's good time, the darkness yields to the promise of the one who comes to reign as king forever. So let's pray together. And in our prayer this morning, when 
You hear the words, Lord, hear us. I invite you to respond, Lord, graciously hear us. Let's pray. Good Shepherd, speak to us at this time and hear us when we call to you. Answer our call and come to journey with us. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Good Shepherd, search for us when we are lost and gather us safely into your presence. Speak to the depths of our fears and still our anxious hearts. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Good Shepherd, stand with us in the midst of these times and do not forsake us. Search for the lonely and the anxious and embrace them in your love. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Good Shepherd, strengthen us when we stumble and renew us when we are weak. Stand with all who are made in your image and who reflect your goodness. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Good Shepherd, support us when we suffer and bring healing when we are wounded. Strengthen us that we might strengthen others and be with them in all we face together. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Good Shepherd, speak once more to our hearts and offer us vision and hope for days to come. Go before us, Shepherd King, and lead us into the future that you hold in your hands. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. As we continue in prayer, hear us as we pray the words of Jesus, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen indeed. Well, friends, next Sunday our worship will be, as I say, online only. It'll be on YouTube. There'll be, there'll be links on Facebook as well. It'll be there on our podcast feeds and it'll be available on the usual phone number. There's no service in the St Andrews building next Sunday, but we'll be gathering in person and online the following Sunday, Sunday the 6th of December. So if you want to come to that, please remember to book online at creefparishchurch.org forward slash booking. Or for those who can't 
book online, you can still call the manse and book a place. Booking for that service on the 6th will open after uh, next Sunday's service online. Remember too to contact Elizabeth if you want to join in passing round the, the Advent candle as Mary and Joseph make the journey around our different homes. And look out for more details on the walk-through carol service that we're planning for the St Michael's building, as well as the Christmas box service on the evening of Sunday 13th December. And remember, if you want to take part and get a box for yourself and a box to share with a friend or a neighbour, please call the manse or drop me an email, philip at churchofscotland.org.uk. Uh, get in touch so that we can confirm with the, the box suppliers the number of Christmas boxes that we need to distribute uh, to our congregation and from our congregation to friends around the community. So I look forward to, to getting your responses to these different requests. And until next time, may you know the blessing of God, the ever-present Father, the ever-living Son, the ever-active Holy Spirit to descend upon you and to stay with you now and always. Amen.